0: Hey there podcast listeners, exciting news. My new audiobook, The Short Book Formula: A Financial Professional's Guide to Writing a Book in 6 Weeks to Attract Ideal Clients, is out now. And the best part, for a limited time, we're offering this audiobook to you for free. Hurry over to www.theshortbookformula.com and claim your copy now. And now, onto our show. Hey everyone, this is Paul McManus, the host of the Million Dollar Producer Show. But as of now, I'm actually the co host of the Million Dollar Producer Show because I'd love to introduce my new co host to the show. You may have seen her a couple episodes ago, um, Tony Marie Torrey. Tony Marie, um, <laughs> Marie Tori is a performance coach. She's done a lot of work with me. Um, I was actually just with her on Friday, which was phenomenal. Um, she works with a number of financial advisors, especially top-performing ones, high achievers. And it is my honor to welcome her to as my co-host for the as of the Million Dollar Producer Show. So, welcome, Tony Marie. Thank you
1: so much, Paul. And I am really excited to be here today and in future episodes. So, looking forward to connecting with you all and getting to know you even better.
0: Perfect. And so I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce our special guest for today.
1: All right, well, I am really excited about our amazing guest today. Buck is a client of mine. This is Buck Adams, everyone. And Buck and I have known each other for quite a few years now. And he is a senior vice president at one of the world's largest financial investment firms for compliance reasons. We're not gonna tell you
0: exactly who. Now, 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 I I do need to add to that though, is that this firm um, does, count approximately half of the world's billionaires among its clients. And so hopefully compliance will let us keep that in.
1: (laughs) We'll find out soon
0: enough.
1: (laughs) We'll find out. Buck is really a, a heavy hitter in the financial services industry. And he is also one of the most fascinating people I have ever met. So I know you guys are going to be transfixed by today's episode because Buck is... Not only, not only did he have a meteoric rise that took him four years to go from coming off the street, having been a cop in his past life and actually an undercover cop for many, many years, he then within four years rose to senior vice president within this large organization. And so Bach has so much knowledge and expertise that came from the street creds that he earned while he was out there you know like fighting fighting the good fight for us citizens of Gotham and <laughs> <laughs> and he learned so much and so now a lot of what Buck is doing is he's become a body language expert and and. A non-verbal communication expert, and he learned a lot of that from the street creds. But also, he's he's actually become he's trained in these things as well. So Buck's going to share all sorts of amazing information with us today about how it is that you can leverage these little-known facts and pieces of information about people, and so you can improve your sales and your relationship with your clients. So Buck, I I'm. I'm sure everyone is fascinated to know, like, how did you go from being a cop to a financial advisor?
2: Well, thank you, uh, Tony, Marie, and Paul. I, during my law enforcement career, I'd always been interested uh, in investments, kind of uh, on the sideline. I Just had that uh, curiosity. I, I think I picked it up in college, and. After a while, around the police department, people would say, hey, if you want to find out about uh, how to invest in our deferred comp plan, go see Buck, go see Buck, go see Buck. And I would literally sit there and draw little pie charts and asset allocation charts and middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, give them to some rookie and say, okay, go invest this way. Uh, And that led me to meeting some financial advisors in the industry uh, Hmm. in Anchorage, Alaska, where I was uh, in law enforcement. And... As I approached my retirement, people kept saying, you know, you really ought to look at doing this. You've got this sense of people and, and uh, a way to just make people feel calm, and why don't you consider being a financial advisor? So I, I took the plunge uh, back uh, after 20 years in law enforcement, and like you said, Tony Marie, for some of those years, I was uh, deep undercover. I had long hair and a big scraggly beard and uh, was buying dope uh, on the streets and buying shipments of stolen guns uh, undercover. Uh, and most of the time, you're, you're unarmed uh, when you go in on a deal because you're going to get padded down. And if you're packing heat, then you're either a cop, you're there to rip them off, uh, and you don't wear wires. Back in those days, the wires were literally the size of an iPhone. Uh, and the only place you could put them was down in your uh, groin and then tape them in place. And if you got padded down there, you were a dead man anyway. Uh, we actually kind of invented the early form of manscaping because adhesive tape does not come off well it was an unpleasant experience <laughs> I, I just tell you we were so far ahead of our time and we didn't know it a uh, painful experience but uh, when i went into when i went into financial advising i didn't know anybody with money because police officers spent their any extra money that they had if any on in alaska on snow machines and boats and things like that but I was surprised to find that the skills that I'd picked up on the street were remarkably translatable to the financial advising industry. And, and people have asked me this question many times in my, my 25 years uh, in the advising industry How did you go from being a cop? Mm-hmm. To uh, being a financial advisor, and I've I've said this many times, and I think financial advisors and uh, people in the insurance industry uh, can take heart in this. I said, think about what you do. It's public safety with money. Hmm. You get a call for help. You respond to the scene. You gather information. You collect evidence. You prepare a report. You take action, and most importantly, you keep people calm during crisis. It's public safety with money. You meet with people. You gather their information. You look at their evidence, their statements. You prepare a financial plan. You implement that plan. And most importantly, when the market is shooting rounds past your ear, the best thing that you can do sometimes is grab your clients and push them down behind the engine block with you and take cover. So it's it's often not what you get them to do. It's what you get them not to do. do.
3: mm mm-hmm.
2: And, and I, I found that in addition the just the, the analogy to, to law enforcement was appropriate, but also picking up these signals that at the time we didn't have terms like body language, nonverbal hmm. communication. We called it street smarts or hmm. why'd you stop that guy? Well, he looked hinky. Whatever hinky is, you know, the technical definition is, but every cop understands that. Oh, he looked hinky. I got it. What was it you actually saw and that led you to to have this this impression? And that led me into an actual academic interest uh, in body language as it became more than just a an ethereal term. it really became a science in and in and of itself.
1: Yeah, so it and, sounds like Buck, that part of what you're saying here is that it is really important for financial advisors. To be able to uh, to set up rapport with their clients, so they can influence them in times of panic. Like there's a lot of a lot to do with natural leadership qualities here, and then also it's it sounds like their ability to be able to observe in order to influence is really important. Can you share um, a little bit about that and the sorts of? clues and things that you as a as a body language expert look for in um in building rapport and being able to influence your clients hey,
2: absolutely great thank you for for asking before i wander off down some obscure path <laughs> uh, which wouldn't be my first trip down that path but nonetheless <laughs> here I am. so the uh, one of the things that that uh, is hardwired into us as human beings, absolutely wired in at, at the most, uh, the deepest part of our primal sense.
3: Uh,
2: everybody's heard of the fight-flight response. That's one incomplete, and it's backwards. The real human response is because we were hunted by sight predators, primarily big cats. The first primal response is to freeze, then to flee, and then to fight. And there are reasons for that. How much calories you burn up. Uh, We were hunted by sight predators, so the lack of movement. Maybe you didn't get spotted, so you didn't have to run away. Lack Mm -hmm. of risk of injury. Okay, so we're not having big cats leap out of our closets or our desk drawers in uh, our offices, hopefully.
0: I, well, I, in all fairness, I do. It's a, it's a dog, but I work from a home office, but continue. Well, there you go. Yes, yeah, so it's something. So,
2: but it happens in slow motion. And one of the first things I teach is how to spot the freeze response. And, I, and I'll tell you, it's fascinating. In my, uh, when I do my public speaking, when a firm hires me to come in or I go into a government agency to, to teach, one of the things I do is I have this big balloon I've blown up in advance. And inside that big uh, kind of beige balloon is a little teeny green balloon that I've inflated, which is hard to do, balloon inside a balloon. But <laughs> while I'm talking about the brain, I suddenly whip out this monstrous butcher knife and hit that balloon. And it goes pow, like a gun gunshot. And the first thing everybody does is they startle. This is the startle response. Why do your shoulders come up? Because you're protecting your carotid and your jugular. We were hunted by sight predators. So this instantaneous startle like that, why don't we do this? Why don't we? And then it can be followed by flight. Well, you can see these things in slow motion in your clients. It's fascinating to watch. The freeze response, because if you're there presenting the greatest financial plan in history, I got the best investment that anybody's ever heard of. And your client's, begin to have their reptilian brain, their most ancient brain, kick in. You are now starting to see the freeze response. And unless you're in tune to that, you're going to miss it. And you're going to push on hard with whatever you've got this great plan, and you're going to miss this freeze response. And it looks like somebody literally will begin to get smaller in front of you. You'll actually see the shoulder start to raise or the neck start to duck. People who were animated will start to become still.
0: That, you know, um, in the work that, in the people that I work with, financial advisors and CPAs across the country, um, one of the quote-unquote tools that I've introduced to them is to simply use a a video conferencing software called Zoom. That's what we're on right now. You know, you're in, I believe, Alaska, Tony Marie's in LA. I'm in San Diego. And in my mind, it says, if we're, you know, in person, in a meeting right now, because we can see each other, because we can see our body language, because we can hear each other. Um, And you know, it's remarkable because I've been in the online world for about four or five years now. And so something like this is very common for me, but when I introduce Zoom video conferencing to my clients, it's it's, it's, in many cases a complete game changer because they're so used to either A, traveling to see clients, which can get expensive, um, or B, talking on the phone. And in that case, it completely eliminates all of the things that you're describing. Um, and so I can really resonate with what you're saying.
2: Yeah, the, the visual cues are important. Uh, I, I love this format. I wish our firm would have permitted us to use it. You know, every, with compliance, it's tough to do. Uh, those responses, that freeze response where people slow down, and they get smaller, is followed often, and you see this all the time, and you'll do it yourself, by the flight response. It's impolite to jump up and run out of somebody's office. That
0: just happens. On Zoom, you can just, like, put, hit the X yeah. Everyone's gone. Everyone's gone. Well, yeah, it's,
2: you know, it happens, <laughs> but it, it's infrequent, fortunately. Sure. But the flight response following the freeze response to looks begins to look, as people begin to distance themselves, they, they literally are moving away. Let's say that somebody was up animated in a conversation with you, and then you notice that they've, they're no longer animated, and they begin to distance themselves, and they begin to engage in what's called blocking. When we were a child, it was one of those, I can't see you, you can't see me, In adults, long blanks, uh, rubbing the forehead does two things. It pacifies you, it's pacification gesture, and it also momentarily blocks the view. I'm not seeing you in this mm. moment. People will mm. begin to block their mouths. There may be things they want to say, but they don't.
0: So you can be very so self-conscious right now because I can see I can see my image and so it's really, Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs>
1: you know what it makes me it makes me think of the the classic Charlie Brown scenes, where the teacher is there and Charlie's like all little and hunched over, and the teacher is going wah 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 wah, and that's the trouble with this, right? Is that once your prospect or client is in that mode, that's actually what your words sound like to them, and so yeah. you have this amazing information, and like you were saying before, but you may have a fantastic financial investment plan for them, but if they can't absorb the information because they're in this discomfort, then all your words just fall on barren ground.
2: Absolutely. Totally, totally pointless. At this point, you are the wah wah wah, which is a perfect analogy. My my son is my business partner and he is frighteningly smart. I mean he's a genius. It scares the heck out of me sometimes. I keep wondering, who's your dad? But anyway, uh, but, but Chad will become so intense on, uh, it's one of those cases that we often hear people say, oh, uh, you don't need to trust me because I can prove it. Right? There, there's an old saying, you don't need to trust me because I can prove it. Hmm. No, that it doesn't work that way. And uh, uh, Chad is brilliant and he gets so wrapped up in presenting his ideas and his thoughts and things like that, that he'll sometimes, and he's getting much, much better, but he'll sometimes miss that point where you've, okay, the client is beginning to detach or the prospective client is because they're hearing wah, 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 and you're missing it. And at this moment, you're no longer talking to the neocortex, the modern brain, the reasoning, logical brain. The lizard, the reptilian brain, is alive and well at this point and it's taken over. It's protecting you at, a, at an absolute primal level. And so to be able to stop, uh, and I'll watch, and if I see something or if I say something and I start to see any of those responses, then I'll say, what did I just say or do or fail to say or fail to do that led this client to begin to distance themselves? Yeah. The one downside, of I love this Zoom format. The one downside is you're missing the most truthful part of the body, Yes, which are the feet. The feet are the most truthful part of the human body. We're trained to lie as kids.
0: Which, which is very interesting because this is my, my my first time to become aware of this. So I'm really fascinated to see um, why this is because I was not aware of this fact.
2: Yeah, well, what happens is, you know, Paul. When we're born, we're we're little. We're we're trained to lie early on. All human beings lie, and you see. Never
0: lied in my life. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Prove my point. Thank you.
2: Uh, So you know that there's studies that say the average person lies ten times a day to two hundred times a day. I mean, it's something like you know. I really like your shirt, and maybe I don't. Well, that's that's not that's an untruth. But we're trained. Early on, Buck, did you take that last cookie? No, Mom, I didn't. (laughs) So our faces are trained to lie, and we understand we've all heard about posture and your hands and things. Nobody ever thinks about their feet. Mm. And that's why when I teach, I teach a different way to set up your office, a different way to hold your meetings, so that you are now exposed to the most truthful part of the body and you can pick up so much information from people's feet. There are things called the runner stance, the distancing foot. There's a lot of things that I, I talk about that will tell you that somebody is ready to leave. Now, Elvis is ready to leave the building. You don't know it yet, right? They're halfway out the door and you haven't picked up on it. Or they're self-cleansing. Underneath the desk, if they're, if they're underneath the desk with their hands and you can't see – We have a lot of sweat glands in our hands, lots of sweat glands. And people will engage in what's called leg cleansing, which is doing two things. It's drying the hands. And two, it's a self-soothing gesture. It's just like mom rubbing your head or rubbing your back when you were a child and you were upset, you're engaged in leg cleansing. Well, you might miss that if you're unable to see the lower half of the body.
3: This, this
0: reminds me of
1: I'm self-soothing right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this reminds me of or or how I can relate to this from my past experience um, was, you know, I joined Toastmasters some some years back. And of course in Toastmasters you have the, the little um lectern and whatnot, and, and they teach you how to get out from behind the lectern. But right. I can think back to some of those early speeches, if you will. And of course, I'm hiding back there. I'm trying to look confident, but you know my legs are shaking, and so that 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 makes a lot of sense because that's you know much more honest than my fake confident look.
2: Yeah, what it and and we all you know we we fake it till we make it uh, in in this business uh, to to some degree. I had an opportunity to go speak at the State Department Counterintelligence and Cybersecurity Center, so to go to go teach a particular subject matter, deception detection. Uh, in a different length time frame than I'm used to doing it. And you're, you know, go to Washington, DC, you walk in there, you're going to essentially be strip searched. They take away all your electronics. They escort you to and from the bathroom. Uh, And I had some apprehensions about doing that Hmm. simply because it was, it was uh, off tilt for me as far as it was going to have to be a fully customized presentation. I had to work within a certain time frame. I'm speaking to an audience of spy catchers for crying out loud. Uh, and they, you know, I, I, I went and uh, Tony Marie said, why don't you come down and do some work with me? Cause I was kind of, I was kind of ambivalent about, yeah, you know, it's a great opportunity. And a, a friend of mine had seen my work and he want, and he, uh, he wanted me to come teach there. And, uh, you know, I found the fifteen different reasons that well, yeah, you know, God,
0: I, you know, and
2: that was just
0: in ten minutes. You know, the, you that, man, you know, the,
2: the sun didn't rise in the east yesterday. So how could I possibly do it or whatever? Anyway, so, uh, but uh, Tony Marie uh, chilled my jets and got me just kind of like, you got this, and and we went and did some uh, some work and and different modalities that she uses, and uh, I went off and. I walked into the uh, cybersecurity center and I think, great, I'm going to meet a bunch of spy catchers and uh, hope that they, that they don't spot my nerves.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Went in there and, and frankly had the, they were so serious. It's after lunch, mandatory training, worst possible time slot you can get, you know, just like, ah. and so, I walked in there <laughs> and, These very serious uh, men and women come walking in, sit down. I know they'd all rather be doing anything else. And when they, because when I'm teaching, if you're not laughing, I'm not teaching. That's just my mind. If you're not cracking up at some point, then I'm doing something wrong. And I get a couple of chuckles and they're like, are we supposed to be having a good time? And the next thing you know, they look over at the boss and he's cracking up. (laughs) <laughs> and then it was it was game on. We had it was one of the most fun uh, sessions that I've, I've ever done. Uh, and it was uh, they thoroughly enjoyed it. And some of the counterintelligence guys that that weren't at that meeting off doing things came in and chewed on my buddy about, hey, I heard you had some great training. And how come we weren't there? and Can we get this guy back? But I probably wouldn't have gone if it wasn't for our uh, lovely hostess.
0: Well,
1: well, of course, it's part of my job to help my clients get their greatness out in the world. So, well, you
0: know, and, and just to add on to that, and since um, Buck, since since you've worked with Tony Marie, and and I actually just had the opportunity to work with her on Friday, I need to throw this in: is that um, one thing that I like appreciate about her work is that she believes in rapid results. Um, you know, she doesn't give you like a month or three months or a year or, or a lifetime to figure stuff out. It's like, okay we got a day together, we're going to like take care of this and you're going to go off and you're going to be good. Um, So I was just personally, as an aside, I was dealing with something that, you know, had been six, 12 months, maybe two years in the making, couldn't shake it. And now it's about four days later and suddenly like, huh, life is 10 times better than it was last Friday. So thank you, Tony (laughs) Murray. You are so welcome. Kudos, (laughs) kudos.
1: Yeah. It's that whole impatience factor, right? Yeah, I, I, I appreciate your
0: impatience. Thank My you. Impatience. <laughs> you know, but shift, shifting gears, if we can, um, you mentioned earlier that, um, I believe that you said that you study or you have studied or you are studying under um, a gentleman named Robert Cialdini, who is very famous for the book Influence. Um, I came across this book myself. Couple of years ago, it's one of my favorite books. Um, you know, I'm a marketer by trade, and so I recommend it to everybody. Um, in the book, I believe it's six principles that he talks about and really expands upon. Um, you know, in this whole context of because everything I do, and you know, most people watching this that are financial advisors and CPAs watching this, you know, it's about how to, you know, how to be that million dollar producer? How to become that multi million dollar producer? Um, how to get to multi or how to get to million dollar producer? Um, and to me, you know, it all comes down to influence. I'm personally fascinated by influence. I don't care, you know, whether it's in leadership or in marketing or what have you. So this is a passion of mine. So I'd love to get maybe some of your insights um, in around influence and, and and especially anything in conjunction with Robert Cialdini.
2: Well, that, absolutely, and thank you for bringing it up. My my fascination with the nonverbals, verbals uh, you know, as a police officer, you spend a lot of time staying alive, just watching to, to pick up the little teeny itsy bitsy signals. It drives my lovely wife Deanne crazy that she walks in the house and I say, "Tell me about it," and she goes,
3: <laughs> "Wow." I said,
2: "Let's talk about it."
3: The other
2: night she's sitting there, she says, "I, I give up." OK, and so because uh, they pay a, pay really close attention
3: yeah.
2: uh, to, to what's going on around you and, and see things that, that people don't see. But I realized that after a while that, that and I'd love Cialdini from 1984 when Influence came out and had the opportunity to go down and uh, take a workshop in his newest is related to his newest book. Called persuasion, which I happen to have right here. Persuasion, where his research led him to to discover that it's that it's that privileged moment before you make the ask, yeah. in which you really have the most influence. And the name of my my side company is Ethical Influence. And so, uh, if anybody wants to email me, it's Buck at EthicalInfluence That's it, Buck at EthicalInfluence com. Because Cialdini's work originated out of the idea that he wanted to do research in how to protect people from malice, malicious influence, uh, from manipulation. Which, and then, of
0: course, marketers like me picked up on as a how-to guide on how to <laughs> manipulate people. And,
2: <laughs> and, absolutely. And then, of course, the industry said, hey, come teach us about what it is and his principles that you mentioned, Paul, you know, reciprocity and scarcity and social proof and authority and all those other things. Uh, and and I, I thought, okay, we're all in the persuasion business every day of our lives. I, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're engaged in some form of influence or persuasion. How do you do it ethically?
3: Yeah.
2: And when I took all the work that I've done in the nonverbal world, and thought, okay, you've, you're at that moment. Now, what do you do with it? Okay, you've connected. The, my entire practice is based on connecting with somebody and not losing that connection in an, in, and doing it in an ethical and honest way. As I've told Chad, I said, don't you ever forget, we're in public safety with money. Don't ever forget that. That's our business. That's what we do. How do you do that? ethically? How do you move somebody? If you're in the industry, you, you know that you probably have a pretty good idea of what each client needs and what you have to fill those needs. You don't show them all 50,000 choices, mm-hmm. right? You just drives people to distraction. So what do you do with it? Uh, how, how do I ethically help somebody discover the, the answer without... Being manipulative without trying to do something that is in just in my best interest and nobody else's best interest. Mm-hmm. So I think all three of us are probably on the, on the same page there. That what we want to do is we want to help people. So I I, I am now uh, a real fan of persuasion. I took uh, a, a workshop from Dr. Cialdini a couple of months ago and going back down in April from uh, for another another workshop. And I think that. His work is, is absolutely essential for anybody in the financial advising, the insurance, any business. And I, and I would encourage them to to read influence. Uh, He came out with an updated edition of it and then to read persuasion, because that's really amazing research in there. I just, I get so excited when I read some of the experiments that he, I know it's kind of geeky. Tony Maurice. I just to
0: say you geek out. I'm, <laughs> yeah. ready, I'm ready to geek out right now. This is my stuff. Uh, yeah. I, geek yeah.
2: Out. <laughs> I mean, Okay. So we got three geeks or, or two geeks and a supervisor monitoring. <laughs> <our activities. laughs> Tony Maurice by like, I'm already. <laughs> we're running out of time. You know, pick it up, pick up the pace. And um, Joe Navarro. In, he is a retired uh, FBI agent, hmm. a counterintelligence agent, and his books on body language are uh, fascinating. Uh, this one is uh, Louder Than Words, and his first one is What Every Body, B-O-D-Y, is Saying. Great book. And then this is a book you probably haven't heard of. Uh, I, I received a certification from Dr. Panalone. He's a chief researcher at the Yale School of Medicine. Uh, on instant influence. He has a process that's six to eight minutes long. And I literally, the first time I used the process was to help my wife make a decision to, to arrive at a decision to, she had been for a lack of better word, dithering for six months as to whether or not she wanted to undertake this major uh, educational experience. And I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? She said, no, go ahead. And I used this instant influence process. And six minutes later, I asked her, well, what's your next step, if any? And she said, I'm going to go get my licenses. Now, she had been struggling with this decision for six months. And the instant influence conversation, all it does, it was designed for ER doctors to quickly intercede with somebody who's in crisis, drugs, alcohol, spousal abuse, or whatever. It was designed for the medical profession. It works wonderfully in any business because it helps people answer their own questions.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I use it in my practice as well with my clients and it, it's incredibly powerful.
2: Yeah, it's...
0: Go ahead, Paul.
1: Yeah. Well, I was just gonna... Oh, sorry, Paul, you were gonna yeah. say something? Go yeah, ahead.
0: I was gonna ask, you know... Um, one of the questions I'm curious about, um, just whether it's body language or influence, and I think they're intertwined, is that you know many of my clients and um, people that watch the show, you know, they're quote unquote million dollar producers, and part of that is that they typically work with multimillionaires. Um, they work with affluent business owners. They work with ultra high net worth individuals. Um, just you know, if if anything, you know, I'm just curious. Any any additional tips or insights that you've gained over the years um, through your work in terms of specifically in working with ultra high net worth people or affluent business owners, what are some of those additional insights that you've come across over your years?
2: Well, I found a, a lot of times in, in my experience is those people are as frightened, if not more, So uh, a lot of clients when they've amassed quite a bit of money and I'm sure you've seen this, it, it goes from not, how do I make it? Now the fear is how do I keep it?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And it's Mm -hmm. interesting. Having had multimillionaires sit in front of me to watch those same freeze flight fight responses manifest, but it may be around different questions, right? It may not be about, it may not be about, specific investments or specific strategies. It really goes to maintaining lifestyle and, you know, supporting family. And and one thing I've always taught my son, this is a sidebar is when you have a couple in your office, don't forget the quiet one. Hmm. Do not forget the quiet one. The quiet one is the one that's going to make the decision when they walk out to the elevator or into the lobby. And don't you forget it because a lot of times, and, I, and I'm uh, not being gender specific here, but one spouse is appears to be kind of in charge of the conversation or speaking more than the other.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: an advisor's instinct is to direct the conversation towards that person. Yeah. And what happens is over here, a lot of decision-making is being made. And when Chad and I are in a meeting together, and he's engaged in the conversation, I'm busy watching the other person because there's a huge amount of information just radiating off of that person. So for me, uh, I have found that those people with money can have as much primal fear or concern as those people who are struggling to make the money.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you know, watching, yeah, it's, it's don't fumble on the two yard line, right? They've made it 98 yards and now don't fumble on. or a lot of times. And I'm sure you run into this too. It's concerned about the next generation. It's concerned about the kids, uh, not blowing it, not being too spoiled. etc. I mean, everybody who watches this shows, who's, who's, uh, as you are dealing with high net worths, uh, understand all those same arguments. But the one thing I would say without equivocation is as rich as they are and as smart as they may be at making money, those primal instincts, those primal responses are still there for the, for the viewing. They're still there for the taking if you take that information and do something with it because the minute you start to see somebody disconnect from you, it's so, Paul, it's so subtle and we get so wrapped up in how well we're presenting.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Great. We're presenting well. How well are you receiving? Yeah. And the minute you start to see that static or, or interference. And let me dismiss one thing before we get cut off by the, our boss lady there. My buddy. Everybody says this to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I understand body language. That's when they do this, they're not listening to you. That's totally inaccurate, right? It's all contextual. Men especially, especially if you have anything to rest it on, I mean, <laughs> frequently will get their, their hands out of the way yeah. and cross their arms. This could be an evaluative gesture. Hmm? This means I'm not being distracted by my hands right now. I'm listening to what you have to say. Okay.
0: Now so if for, actually, it's also for me, sometimes just comfort. I mean, sometimes I like, I'm, yeah, I'm just one to misconstrue what I'm doing, but if I'm not even thinking about it to me, this is just yeah. kind of comfort in it's, a movie theater.
2: It's getting those arms out of the way. Uh, and I found that larger clients, uh, guys in my office will frequently do that because it's a place to put their arms where they're not hanging down to their hanging down to their sides. Um, uh, but, but if I do see somebody begin to retreat, And then they may, now this may be blocking. Okay. This may be self-protecting. This may be blocking. And one way to break that block um, is to give somebody, because everybody has their space on the, on the conference table. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a circular conference table. I never use it that way because I I move the chairs around so that I can see all of the person
3: Mm
2: -hmm. is to move something into their space. Right. I cross the I I crossed the demilitarized zone a little bit, pushing something into the space for them to take a look at, because this is a, this can be, if it is.
1: They'll be leaning in to look at it, right?
2: Right. You want them to break their hands and have to reach to take it because it is the, it is a feedback loop. So if it is a a defensive posture or if it is, you know, a form of, of fleeing, because that's really what it is. If it is a form of fleeing, you want to stop that flight because this feedback hypothesis, as they call it in the body language world, is true, that it becomes self-reinforcing. So if you determine it's not an evaluative gesture, you see a lot of times men, especially if you've got facial hair, will sit and rub their chins. Mm -hmm. Evaluative gesture. Right?
1: I'm going to pause you there just because we are we're at time, and no. I want to make sure that everyone knows how to get in contact with you because if you don't want to have to read like the 20 books that but just suggested, and you want I, to get all
3: the reading all, list, all the brilliant <laughs> <with> one package <laughs> deal. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to email you later for the reading list himself <laughs> because he's.
1: He is the the repository of all this brilliant information. You guys have had a taste of it right now here today. But um, I have seen Buck. He he has an amazing keynote speech that you could have have him give to your organization. He also conducts workshops like he did with the State Department. And so if you would like to connect with him, email him at buck at ethicalinfluence.com and we do sadly need to wind it up we're right at the top of the hour and i know paul and i both have hard stops so really really appreciate your time your energy and your effort on this amazing information and paul thank you i will let you have the last word as the originator of the show <laughs>
0: sure. yeah no it, it, it's interesting you know just um, i'm resonating with a lot of what you're saying buck and so thank you so much for for being our guest today on the Million Dollar Producer Show. You know, it's inter- You know, just like you are talking in the context of um, maybe in sales, um, you know, just even in the dynamics of this uh, bringing on a co-host to, to to work with me on 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 this show. I can, you know, there's a lot of similarities there because too often we get caught up in what we're saying and we don't pay attention to the things going around. And so, you know, if you're looking to influence somebody, the ability to really observe, be aware of what you're observing, um, it's critical. It's a critical skill. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and insight with us today. Hey, my pleasure, and and thank you for having
2: me, and I I gave you the slow triple nod technique and exposed the side of my neck, which shows that I'm comfortable. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you you so much. Bye-bye.